0: are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message.
1: you have your Bible, turn with me, please, to the book of Titus, chapter 2, beginning at verse 11. Titus chapter 2, verse 11, and verse through verse 15. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, Speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Our Heavenly Father, we stand today, first of all, in thy presence. We believe that. Therefore, we expect heaven's help for earth's needs now. But we stand in the presence of preachers, students, and in this uh, Bible school where men have wrought long and well and been faithful and stayed by the stuff. We thank thee for that. Now, Lord, be pleased to let me make a spiritual contribution to the life of these who are here in this auditorium. We pray that the needs that have been mentioned by Dr. Stevens may be met real soon, that you'll speak to the people. We know that everything belongs to thee. We pray that thou shalt channel in, and through someone that loves thee, these needs for the building. Bless the faculty, the students, and the visitors and the guests today, and the church, that houses this institution, and give to us the message that is pleased and honor God. And may we speak with authority today, and may the word of God run and have free course and be glorified, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, briefly, I'm glad to be at the Piedmont Bible College, and uh, I've heard much of it. And uh, I have been with Dr. Stevens in a Bible conference uh, with uh, Brother Bob Gray for about a week. And I knew Dr. George Dollar uh, in uh, Dallas. And uh, of course, Harold Bow I've known him, and his family, and have loved him. And he's here. And uh, how many of the students, if I could ask quickly and get right to the message, because I do have something I must say, how many of you? Uh, that I've never seen before right now. Hold up your hand. We've never met before. Well, that's a great host of um, people that we've not met before. We're glad to be here. Now then, I want to speak today on uh, the subject of uh, authority. It's almost a despised word. And it looks like uh, we're running short on authority. And, um, I believe that there's two people to blame. The first one is the preacher. The second one is the papa. Those two fellows have lost their authority. I believe that uh, human nature like it is, somebody's got to have authority over it. I believe there needs to be authority, first of all, in the individual life. There's one thing Jesus did. He spoke with authority. And if we follow him, we're going to have some authority. We won't offer too many excuses, we'll just speak with authority. Now, the father in the home needs to have the authority over the entire home. That includes the wife and the children. The pastor is to have the authority in the church. I mean, he's to be the ruler of the church, according to the word of God. But. This whole thing breaks down unless God has the authority in the preacher. And that's where we've lost out with God. The preacher does not speak with authority, the Father does not exercise authority, and the church uh, members run the church, and they run it in the wrong direction. And the world has lost respect for the church because she's lost her authority. Now, I'm not the voice of wisdom, or at least all the voices of wisdom, but I will not speak my opinions today. They'll be my convictions. And you have no right to explode your opinions while in the pulpit, and if you haven't got your opinions to the place of conviction, you ought to keep your mouth shut. The world is sick and tired of a bunch of Casper folks climbing around in pulpits today. And all oh that God will let me finish this message and present it, and you'll receive it and hear it, and then you'll you'll hear with authority, and then speak with authority the truths that God has given us. Now, number one, we're going to have to have the book of authority. Before we'll ever speak with authority, we're to speak as the what? Oracles of God. Now, when Paul was on the Damascus Road, he said in his testimony, I went with authority. And yet, he got his authority from the priests and from the religious brass hats. He said, I'd like to get an authority to go ahead and get those Christians over to Damascus and bind them and bring them back. And we may have some more of what we've had uh, with Deacon Stephen. They gave him the authority. That's not the authority you and I need. He had religious authority. And we've got too much religious authority. I mean, we've got too many headquarters, and they ought to be hindquarters, really. <laughs> The Christian only has one authority, and that's Jesus Christ and the Word of God. Oh, this morning, that God's preachers, how many of you are, are in the ministry, you feel God's called you in some type of full-time Christian work, hold up your hand real high. That's what I thought. Now, that's a fine crowd. Now then, just how much authority are you going to have? I'll tell you what you'll do. You'll have authority to the extent that you memorize the Word of God and have the Word of God. I'm not talking about what commentators say. I'm not talking about what uh, so-and-so wrote. I'm not talking about what the early divine said. I want to know what the Word of God says. And, preachers, there's only one way to speak with authority, and that's to saturate your soul and your mind with the Word of God. Now, I read to you a tremendous passage of Scripture where he said, The grace of God that brings salvation. And, brother, that's the number one doctrine of the Bible. And that's the one thing you to be straight on is grace. God does the saving. God does the keeping. And when you get that, you can speak with authority on the plan of salvation. And apart from that, there is no plan of salvation. It's by grace. But we must not and dare not stop there. He said that Dr. grace. Becomes our teacher. He said, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust. Now, brother, that's where the Christian discipline or discipleship starts out there. And if you don't intend to let Doctor Grace teach you uh, to live a godly life without the worldly lust, you'll never speak with authority because the people won't pay attention to you. You can't, uh, as my colored friend said one day, you can't preach cream and live skim milk. Another one said, you can't come back from where you ain't never been. (laughs) And, and, And with real desire in my heart, at the age of 55, with 36 years, in the ministry, and that's not as long as a lot of people, but I want, to, I want to give you the accumulation of my lifetime thus far of convictions that I think will be good for you. And I care not about making a splash, except I want to be a blessing to the young preachers that here today, and to the people in the ministry, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust. Now, as far as I'm concerned, that knocks your television set completely out of your house. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's full of worldly lusts. And your eyes were not made to watch Hollywood with. They're made to read the Bible. And you're not going to preach with authority against Hollywood as long as you're operating one and you living room. Make up your mind about that, you big sissy. I'm tired of people saying, it's like a preacher said to me the other day, he said, Brother Olaf, I want you to know I want you to know that I'm against television in Hollywood just as much as
0: you are.
1: And I was sitting in his living room, and I said, what's that animal sitting over there for?
0: <laughs>
1: and his sickly excuse was, I, want to, I like to watch the news. I said, you can hear it just as well as you can watch it. Dear friends, we've got to have a generation of preachers uh, that will live godly lives. And we'll let Jesus give us the victory over worldly lust. And when I I say worldly lust, I don't mean, dear friends, just adultery and fornication and uncleanness and impurity. I'm talking about a greed for money. I'm talking about getting a bigger car uh, than you can afford to pay for. I'm talking about buying more clothes than you can pay for and wear. I mean, to the glory of God. I'm talking about just waste. Uh, Brother, we're going to have to come to a place as God's people. Where we, and there's only one thing you need to learn while you're in school. And uh, this school will be very different if it will teach you, but I hope it will. That's to live by faith. Amen. Amen. If there's no other way. You can get up and pray and say, Lord, help us to please thee. He said, live by faith. Amen. Help it out of me. Live by faith. That's it. I mean, the Christian life can be summed up in one word. You get saved by faith, and he said, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him. Amen. He said the way you got saved is the way you're supposed to live. Anything you'll say to do to live by. And you'll never honor God living by sight. And that's the one thing we've got to get our people to learn, and that is we've got to learn to live completely by faith. Elijah did. Amen. He lived three and a half years out of the book, a uh, cherry, and uh, a raven came by a couple of times a day and dropped off a meal. And that's all anybody needs. One thing he's given our preachers is three meals a day and in, in between snacks.
0: <laughs> Drag
1: around with flu and colds and and sickness, and sore throats, and everything else, and then just say after they get to a great big meeting, I just prayed so hard
0: I lost my voice.
1: No you didn't. You ate too much chocolate pie and cake.
0: <laughs> Why don't you tell the
1: truth about it? If you let the people that'll make a glutton out of it they kill you a long time before you're supposed to die. We've, we've gotten away from discipline. I mean, we don't, we don't know what it is to live disciplined lives. Jesus said, if any man would be my disciple, let him deny himself, take up his cross, die every day. Paul said, I die daily. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me the life that I now live. In the flesh I live by the faith of the Son of God. I live by what? By faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Bible said, whether you eat or drink to all to the glory of God. Bible said, what? Know you not? Your body's the temple of the Holy Ghost. Somebody living inside. What kind of house does he need? Would he have? What kind of house you live in? How much filth do you allow in your house? I came in, I got out of the car this morning. Brother. Talk about a strong smell. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to know that's it. That's the most powerful whip I've ever got of the tobacco business. <laughs> Dear friends, there's other things unclean also. That's part of it. That's the hardest dope we ever get our alcoholics loose from. That's the last dope they ever give up. They'll walk for miles, they'll slip in the woods, they'll bear cigarettes, they'll get tobacco in and Bibles, loose tobacco. That's the last thing, when we finally get the victory. In idolatronics, in alcoholics, when we get the victory over cigarettes, brother, we've got the victory! That's permanent. Preachers, you need something besides a wishbone, you need a backbone. Got to speak uh, with authority. He said, let no man despise thee. He said, we're to reprove and rebuke and exhort. With A.W.L. all authority, the only way we'll do it, is to have this book. And I want to give you some things this morning. Uh, as they have come into my mind during these years in the ministry, every preacher needs to memorize the Bible. I believe that's what the word means when he said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. I have a little card here, uh, which is a picture of the plane, the load that we take with us, and uh, so forth, but on the back is 67 chapters. I challenge any preacher to memorize one chapter each month for five years and get 60 of those chapters. Now, I'm not connected with Piedmont Bible School. I'm not ashamed of it. I believe in it. I believe in Dr. Stephen. I think he's been a good old warrior. I believe God blessed him and used him. And I appreciate him. And I'm glad to stand in his shadow this morning. And I'm glad to recognize him as God's man. And I appreciate him. But I'd like to say this. If Dr. Stevens were to say to me, Brother and we want you to come uh, as uh, one of the helpers in the school, and uh, we want you to maybe make some suggestion. The first thing I'd make is this. Every preacher will memorize a chapter every thirty days while he's in school, or flunk every time he comes up for exams. You'd have to memorize the Word of God. If you stayed here four years, you'd quote out loud thirty-six chapters or we'd never give you a degree. I believe it's time for God's preachers to go to memorize the Word of God. We've got too many Baptist people that are woefully ignorant of the Word today. It's awful quiet when I preach like that. Did you notice that? <laughs> I mean, why? would Listen, all you've got to do is just turn your television set off and kick out your newspaper and spend that time memorizing the Bible. Reckon you'd be a walking authority. That's all you've got to do. Preachers, you'll never preach worth 10 cents till you get to memorizing the Word of God. It's got to be a part of them. You've got to literally think and talk and dream and sleep the Word of God. You'll never be worth ten cents. We've got an authorityless generation. I mean, the average preacher never speaks with authority. His speakers don't respect him. His church don't respect him. The world doesn't respect
0: him. Why? He's lost his authority.
1: not a matter of trying to make them uh, recognize your authority, Brother. When you speak the word of God, God'll make a mistake. They took knowledge of some fellows over there. And said, "Hey, they've been with Jesus. They've been with Jesus." They said, "This man doeth miracles. Uh, what doeth we? What do we?" Now then, the authority comes from the word of God, and I believe that Christians are to be different. He said, "What grace is going to make you a bit peculiar? The world'll never understand you. You know." I used to, when I started preaching and I started pastoring, I pastored 26 years of my life, and uh, I I used to uh, think, and I'd have some, and I appreciate what Dr. Stephen said, uh, that the will of God keeps you in a crisis. When you're in the will of God, you're in a crisis. When you're out of a crisis, you're out of the will of God. I mean, it's a constant head-on collision with the world when you're walking with Jesus. And I used to say, Lord... I mean, when is this thing and settle down?
0: <laughs>
1: Level off, please. <laughs> the Lord said to me one day, he "Said son, fast, You're at home."
0: <laughs> he
1: said, "He'll always be like that."
0: <laughs>
1: That's right. We're living in a mean world. We're living. We're living in a dope world. A days where this is a religious world. I mean, did Jesus have smooth sledding? Not at all. I mean, uh, did the Chamber of Commerce meet him at the airport? I guess they didn't. I mean, did old brother Paul? I mean, did he have a tremendous welcome committee when he got into Philippi? I mean, did they give him a big going-away party from the jailhouse? (laughs) Brother, there's only one person that you can expect to love you and to stand by you, and that's the people that you win to Jesus. And if Paul hadn't won the jailer to Christ, he'd have probably missed breakfast. You're going to have to learn to live on what
0: you do for Jesus.
1: If you don't do anything, you ought to starve to death. I get sick and tired of these silly preachers running across the country and say, Y'all pray for them. He shouldn't pray for him. See, I just have to live by faith. Well, stupid, how else can you live? <laughs> Yeah? Get up in the, in the pulpit and apologize for God and say, now, we're going to have to live by faith till we can do better. Well, you can't do any better.
0: <laughs>
1: Brother, let me tell you something. When we walk with the Lord, we're going to be walking against the world. Amen. Amen. This whole world is no friend of grace. But I've got a good word for you. God never did in heaven or on earth or in the life of our wonderful Savior or while he was on the cross, while he was in the tomb, or when he arose and the 16 soldiers fell back like dead. men. He never made any provisions for failure or defeat in the life of one of his children. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. And there's one thing the Bible will teach you, that's to live by faith. And as long as you've got your heavenly connections, don't worry if all earthly connections come apart. I mean, God will sustain his own. He said, Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. The greatest day of my life was when I was convinced that I was supposed to live by faith. Now, I got saved, but I didn't know it then. I went to Baylor University four years. They didn't tell me beans about living by faith. They just said, work it out on a piece of paper and then get after it. I mean, organize, get educated, get manicured. And I mean, you know, put out a bulletin and an order of service. And man, you've got to do this. Well, listen to you, but they didn't tell me, but they didn't tell me anything about fasting and prayer and living by faith and trusting God for all my provisions and all that. They said, that's back for the apostolic days. Man, I made up my mind I'd just gone back to apostolic days. I enjoy that.
0: <laughs>
1: I went through school and the time I got through the seminary, they just about ruled out everything. I mean, they said, this is for the Jew and this is for the Gentile and this is for somebody else and you can't do this anymore and that's, uh, uh, you might as well forget about this and that and the other. Brother, that came a day 20 years ago when I faced a crisis in my life. I mean, a physical crisis, and I, it, it was a tremendous time, and I said, Lord, uh, Enoch walk with you. I can now. He said, you could. You'd walk by faith. I said, Lord, what does it mean to just live by faith? You said, now. He said, that means exactly what he said. Just trust me, and I'll show you. <coughs> of course, I didn't know what all was involved in that. But the first thing I knew, I'd stepped outside the gate. And I'd lost a lifetime of preacher boys overnight. And I got disconnected from, and I I found myself uh, rapidly sliding down my denominational totem pole. (laughs) And, of course, they put out the report that I was ruined, and it looked like it from the way things look, but you don't go by the way it looks. Oh, I tell you, dear friends, God has been faithful, the Lord is faithful, he's still able. Now, I tell you what the average preacher needs, and yet I'd like to say this, we don't need any average preachers. We've got too many average folks now. But we need what Moses got when he got to the bush. I know you've heard this, and this could be the uh, loud talk of a young preacher and all that, but we need the power of God that Moses got at the bush. Course, we turn everything around, you know. We, we like to say that uh, when we get real tired, I'm bushed. Well, that's the very thing you need is to get bushed.
0: <laughs>
1: Moses got educated, but he wasn't bushed. He stayed in the wilderness 40 years out there in the seminary of loneliness. He wasn't bush. But brother, when he got bush, you better look out, (laughs) Pharaoh. I mean, when the power and the fire and the the anointing of the bush got in old brother Moses, I'll guarantee you at the age of 80, he walked inside the inner office and said, you might as well turn him loose because we're pulling out. So, Pharaoh said, "Why, you whippersnapper, you? Why?" He said, "Who? What authority do you have? I mean, where are your credentials? Show me your ordination certificate. Who licensed you,
0: brother?" He pulled a great eye
1: on him. <laughs> That's right. Who sent you anyhow? He said, "I am sent." That's Jesus. That's right. Brother, the Bible said he saw him who was invisible. Yes, sir. And seeing him, he endured, just like Job came out of the ash pile because he he esteemed the Word more than he did his necessary food. You get like that, I guarantee you'll come on through too. The Lord gave me a message the other day on the suffering saint. Job was one of the suffering saints of the Bible. He lost all of his property. That's enough to get the average man right there quit just like that. Why'd the Lord do it? Yeah. (laughs) He's through. All right. He lost all of his servants. He lost all of his children, ten of them. His wife lost confidence in God, and he lost the help of an earthly companion. She wasn't worth 10 cents to him while he was in the pile. The very time a wife ought to come to his rescue and said, Honey, I tell you, I'm going to stand right by you, she said, Curse God and die. Amen. All this suffering, I mean, Where's God? <laughs> then three, then he went through the friends test. Don't ever put your confidence in a bunch of worldly people. I mean, even friends. I mean, anybody. You can't put your confidence in people, you'll be disappointed. Put them in Jesus. Put your confidence in the Lord. Amen. And I'll tell you something else that would be good for you. Don't ever have a lot of secrets you're going to tell a bunch of friends here because there won't be secrets very long. I mean, don't feel that you've got to confide in somebody except the Lord. Just get to where you confide in Him and tell everybody else to, you know, go along. Love them, but keep your distance. You preachers, when you get to be pastor of a church, don't hobnob a bunch of church members. Don't think you've got to eat breakfast with them and wine and dine with them all the time. They'll kill you every time. Start start jealous in your church, you don't need to hobnob with people.
0: Stay alone with the Lord,
1: and then get after lost
0: people.
1: I know this is good advice, if you'll quit running with your church members and you'll start dealing with lost people, God will bless your ministry. And if you'll have a minimum of all these little old silly church meetings and committee meetings and all that kind of junk, I tell you, when old brother Elisha, you remember he got the call? And he was, uh, Elijah came by and he said, listen, he's got something I want. He said, I want that
0: mammal.
1: I want that mammal. He said, how bad do you want He said, I want it enough to kill that ox and get rid of him. He said, how bad? He said, I'll burn the plow shaves, so I won't have none to come back to. Yes. You preachers, when you get to be pastor of a church, don't hobnob a bunch of church members. Don't think you've got to eat breakfast with them and wine and dine with them all the time. He'll kill you every time. Start, start jealous in your church you don't need to hobnob with people stay
0: alone with the lord
1: and then get after lost people
0: i'll
1: give you i know this is good advice if you'll quit running with your church members and you'll start dealing with lost people god will bless your ministry and if you'll have a minimum of all these little old silly church meetings and committee meetings and all that kind of junk i tell you when old brother lasher you remember he got the call and he was. Uh, Elijah came by, and he said, "Listen, he's got something I want." He said, "I want that mantle. I want that mantle." He said, "How bad do you want?" It? He said, "I want it enough to kill that ox and get rid of him." He said, "How bad?" He said, "I'll burn the plowshare, so I won't have nothing to come back to. If I don't get it, I won't have anything else to do. I will tell you that. I mean, I'll have that mantle. I'll have nothing." But he got the mantle,
0: didn't he? Oh I know, he had a
1: lot of he had a lot of temptation. He told him to go back three times. He said, Go on back, son. He said, No, I'm not going back. And then nothing go back to. <laughs> that old ox is dead. My plow, my tractor has gone. I mean, I'm going to have the farming business. I mean, if this don't work, I'm sunk. That's the way a preacher ought to be. Yeah come off the cottage and said, Mama, y'all be here and look after my cows now and y'all take care of my tractor and so forth. Why? Because if this don't work out, I'm coming back. Uh-huh. You'll be back. Okay? And that guy, burn it all
0: up, get rid of it!
1: God told you to preach, come on! See? You know, I think the greatest temptation Elisha had was when he got out in the school of the prophet, didn't he? They said, saw an old country boy, you know, big old brogan shoes on, old work clothes, you know, sweat running down his face and, They looked at him and said, Say, we'd like to recommend to you, Father, the dean of the prophet school came out and said, "Uh, Young man, you need to matriculate. (laughs) Uh, He said, I don't know what that means, but he said, "Uh, if I do it, it'll be after I get the mantle. (laughs) He said, you see that old preacher there? He said, yeah, that's Dr. Elijah. He said, I'm going with him. I mean when he gets through with me now I'd be if I'm supposed to come back or come back then. Amen. Now don't get mad at me don't any of you professors swell up at me. I'm just preaching challenging these young students today. So all he crosses the river, didn't he? Amen. Brother Elijah just took that mountain. Boy, what a part
0: Elisha looks, and
1: that's it. I think Elijah, I, I think he unbuttoned a bunch of his buttons right there then, didn't he? He said, Lord, I want that just as quick as I can get it. I told this old, you know, man, this old jumper I'm wearing is no good. <laughs> I want something to part the water. And so he went on a cross, and Elijah finally said, son, what do you want? He said, I want a double portion of what you got. Well, he said you'll have to keep your eyes on me. He said if you see me when I go up, not when I go down. See, God preachers, I tell you, he'd, he'd been he'd been walking with the Lord long, and he wasn't going down; he going up. Amen. Oh, you know what the you know what the eternal cry is to the preacher? Come down! That's what told the light. Remember that? And he burned up a hundred of them. <laughs> I mean, he, he not only had had charge of the heaven's water department, he had charge of the fire department. <laughs> I mean, he ran the fire truck, you know that, he's button up.
0: <laughs>
1: Elijah said, son, he said, you've sure asked for a hard thing, you've asked for a hard thing. Yeah, he said, I want it. He said, well, if you see me when I go up, you can have it. And sure enough, brother, the mantle fail and he got it. The Bible said he ran his own clothes. Now, that's where a lot of people, they try to put it on over what you got. It don't fit very well like that. I mean, they want to put it over their denominational clothes and their ecclesiastical authority and all that kind of stuff, brother. You better strip aside some of that junk. Uh, God's mantle doesn't mix with a lot of worldly junk, and so he put it on and came back to walk. Opened up, he said, "That's
0: it.
1: <laughs> Worked for me just like it did him." Went back across the creek, and you know what happened, don't you? I had a little preacher's worth still standing there. Yeah. Sticking their teeth and filing the nails.
0: <laughs> well,
1: I, we see the old country boy's back. What do you got to say, farm boy? You ready to matriculate? Said in the first place, where's Dr. Elijah? He said, I don't know, last time I saw him, beating through the clouds. <laughs> See, the head of the psychology department said, you see there, he's emotionally unbalanced. <laughs> he may be, but he's got the mantle on. And he's got what you and me need today, buddy. He's got a miraculous ministry that no devil in hell will ever stop. <coughs> And Elisha, I guess, became disgusted with them and moved up the road. And they said, uh, we better appoint a committee
0: <laughs>
1: to go look for the dear old prophet. I think to turned and looked back at him and said, unless y'all can get airborne, you'll never find him again." <laughs>
0: That's right. <laughs> Dinner!
1: Last time I saw him, he was an astronaut going through space. I believe that, just like the word of God puts. Them. So they sent a committee out to search for somebody and couldn't go find. Couldn't didn't know where to look for him. But there they went. While they were out with their little committee, Elijah was up the country sweetening up bitter water. Amen, brother. You're going to have to have some authority if you're going to preach, and you're not going to get it from your mama, and you're not going to get it from your deacons. And you're not going to get it from Piedmont Bible College. You're going to get it from God or you won't have it. And God will never give it to you unless you stay with his book and love it more than you love your new pair of shoes or car or wife or children or anything else. You're going to get in the word of God and stay there or you're not going to be used of God. I believe it's time for God's preachers to exercise a miraculous ministry, and and, and, and if you're not in the the miracle-working business, I mean so far as the power of God's concerned, you'll never be used. You say, what do you mean? I mean getting people born again, drunkards saved, dope addicts redeemed, little old fallen girls. We have five, six homes with people, and I wish you folks would realize this is an mission field. On this trip already, I've, I've, I've taken five girls, four of them are expected. I haven't been gone except one week, that's all. Dear friend, that's besides the letters and the telephone calls that have come, but I mean along the trail. Now, listen, what are we going to do about it? I mean, do you realize that we are an alcoholic and a drunkard nation? Do you realize that nearly everybody dies on dope, including church members, preachers, and everybody? Do you realize that a lot of our evangelists go to bed every night on dope, dope pills? Do you realize that many of our church members have to go to, to the drugstore store and get a bunch of dope before they can go to a funeral anymore? You know why? They don't have faith in Jesus Christ like those to heaven. If you don't like what I'm saying, you can just make the most of it. I'm getting sick and tired of people running off to somebody to get what they ought to get from the Lord Jesus Christ. And if Jesus is not real to you, why don't you get out of the ministry and quit being a hypocrite? Amen. And if the Lord will supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus, why don't you let it? Until we do, God's never going to give us his power and authority and the world's never going to respect us. You say, we're living in such a miraculous age, is that so? I don't see many miracles. You say, what about Kate Kennedy? I didn't know that was a miracle. You say, what about the trip to the moon? A miracle? They don't call that a miracle. They've been working on it for years. They spent nine billion dollars getting a man up the moon in that as a costly trip. There's no miracle to that. They got that figured out according to natural science. <laughs> you know good and well. You say, well, what do you think of a miracle? I don't have to think. I know what a miracle it is. A miracle is something that God does and it supersedes all the natural science and order of man.
0: Amen.
1: You say, well, why don't you mention it? All right. There comes a man. God said, Enid, let's go walking. Well, he said, sure. So they're just walking along. And all of a sudden, Enid said, Look here. I'm airborne. <laughs> That's a miracle. The summit conference when Peter, James, and John landed over on uh, Mount of Transfiguration without a capsule. There they were. But they'd been up a long time. And, and I tell you, when Simon Peter said, let's build three tabernacles, I think, Peter, I think that Moses and Elijah looked over and said, son, don't build one for us because we think we'll pull out again.
0: <laughs> I
1: mean, we've had all this we want.
0: <laughs>
1: Dear friends Were the miracles today An old country boy Named Gideon Just a country boy When God said Thou mighty man of valor He said are the miracles If I'm mighty Were the miracles The world will never respect us Until we get back in The supernatural business Of letting God do it Instead of us Amen. And then you But here's the secret of it and I close the message Oh, there's so many things I wanted to say. I wish I could talk with you concerning your physical body for a little while. I went through school sick, operated on, tampered with by the doctors and medicine men, and cut to pieces by butcher knives. There wasn't a thing in the world wrong with me, except I was out of the Word of God. That Bible told me what to eat and what not to eat, told me how to stay well, and for 20 years I've never entered a drugstore except to get a toothbrush. Didn't need that if I'd eat a hard apple or a carrot. You see, life, the Christian life is so simple, the smart alecks miss it. The body is so simple, and God's got a Mother Nature on the inside that does all the repairs, if you give her a little cooperation. Wish I could speak, and that's one of the things, and I'll never get to teach in college, I'm sure. Uh, our time is taken, but I mean, uh, uh, the, the, I'd, I'd, have, I'd have one course. I'd have a stiff course on temple care. And I, I teach you that when you go to the mission field, you don't have to come back sick, and you don't have to live sick, and you don't have to. And I'm, I'm not talking about just going off somewhere and get prayed for. I'm talking about prevention. And I'll guarantee you, I had nobody that was well. My body was sick for thirty some odd years. I never was allowed to stay away from home because my body was sick as a little child. But there's a way for you to stay well. And you mothers in here, the greatest contribution, one of the greatest contributions you'll make to your preacher, husband, is keep him well physically and keep your children well because the time has come when drugs are so high and the hospital rooms, so high you can't afford to go anyhow. I believe if you and I will get back in the Bible and live by the Bible and let it be our authority and quit living by tradition which will kill you every time, you'll find the abundant life in the Word of God. I love you this morning, and I want you to do your best for Jesus. Sometimes I feel that uh, it will not be long, first of all, till Jesus comes, and then some of the rest of us, looks like, will have to sort of lay aside the hand the torch to somebody else. I wish we had some steady hands and pure hearts and real convicted souls that take this old book. And when I say the book, I mean, far as I'm concerned, the King James Version. And just preach it like it is, and stand for the Lord, and live for Him. You'll be glad a million years from now that you did. Old Johnny Cohen, the little old Jew, sweet friend of this preacher many years ago. I guess maybe he's in heaven today. I've not heard from him in so long, but I attended one of the dry conventions one time when we were reading out the reports. After a long, hot afternoon of real discipline, because I just had to get a report back to my church. But at the close, they asked Johnny Cohen to come and sing. The little old Jew that had been buried by his mother and dad, the casket was hauled out the cemetery when he met his Messiah, Jesus Christ, went home and told his mother and dad that he loved so dearly, I'm going to follow Jesus the rest of my life. And they said, you can't live here anymore, and Johnny pulled out, and that afternoon, Thirty years ago or more, I heard Johnny give these words. There are so many hills to climb upward, I often am longing for rest. But he who appoints me my pathway knows just what is needful and best, I know in his Word." He has promised that my strength, it shall be as my day, and the toils of this old road will seem nothing when I come to the end of my way. Oh, the trials of this gospel road, they're going to seem nothing when I come to the end of